Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Before I continue, I want to welcome the newest patron of the show, Randy McCallum. If you want to become a patron, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have two other podcasts out there, Pucks and Cups and From John to Justin, available on all podcast platforms. Today, I'm speaking with author and historian Chad Reimer, who wrote the excellent book, The Trials of Albert Strobel. It's a really interesting book that looks at two trials that took place in the late 19th century in British Columbia, centered on Albert Strobel and the accusation of murder. It's a wonderful book. It takes a look at the frontier of British Columbia just as civilization was starting to creep in, and I highly recommend it. So let's get right to the interview. Do it. Uh, I, first question is, what drove you to write this book on uh, Albert Strobel? Well, I was actually doing research on, a, on another project, uh, which is the subject of a book uh, that hopefully will come out soon. And that is the, the lynching of a, uh, an in Indigenous boy in Seamass in 18, um, around this time in the 1880s. And as I was researching, you know, I want, wanted to do the context and see if there were other local murders and violence and so forth. And, and I came across this instance, uh, which I'd never heard before. Uh, and I saw that there was uh, a good amount of material documents on it, uh, transcripts from the trials, which is rare to, to get. And uh, the more I got into it, the more it, it, uh, it interested me. So it, it it's one of those, you know, accident, well, serendipitous kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, what was the research process like? Uh, you mentioned that there was quite a bit of information. Was it difficult to find some of the information that you wanted, given that it was the late 1800s? Uh, well, the, 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 um, the newspapers covered it well. So that, that, that was good when, you know, when they, the first trial was in New Westminster, and so they covered it. And then the second trial was in Victoria. Uh, and they often covered it uh, almost verbatim because uh, it was quite, quite common for the, the judge to ask a reporter to keep the official transcript and just hand it in to him. So journalists were used to this. Uh, also, it was the big uh, events like it, it was like I don't know you know Bridgerton or something <laughs> I only got through those couple of episodes of that but anyway <laughs> uh, it was their their drama in the cities mm -hmm. and, and, and so um, readers read read it and lined up to go to the trials so that was a really good source. That's what I saw first. And then I, I got digging more and more into the archives. Um, and the research is, it, it's always creative. I mean, people think they can just Google it and find it, uh, <laughs> but that's not quite how it goes. Uh, for one, how do you spell Strobel? Uh, <laughs> if you don't <laughs> search it in the various different ways. 
mm-hmm. or you don't know where to look, then you'll miss stuff. But I, I was pleasantly surprised that, you know, I found one transcript of one trial and I found another transcript of, of the other trial and then yet another one off in Ottawa. And so, you know, in between easy and hard, if you want to, easy if you know where to look and, and uh, quite fortunate in that there was, was stuff left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's almost like being a, you know, history detective sort of thing where he, nobody's written about this before. And mm-hmm. that's what I've been interests me keeps me going uh now there's quite a unique cast of characters in this whole whole thing um one that really stood out for me was david lucas who yes was was not a savory character (laughs) um he had some issues with him reading that book for sure uh was there anybody who especially stood out for you in in the book well lucas was yes he was the uh the more than a gadfly i mean uh Mm -hmm. it, it, it it was fascinating connecting him to, you know, the context that, that emerged and so forth. Um, of course, like Stroll himself was, was interesting in a, in a, you know, kind of sad, tragic way. Um, their life experiences were, were fascinating, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, fa- family moving around, which is not uncommon, families, losing parents early, which also wasn't uncommon. Um, big, you know, groups of siblings have to go up, do it on their own. Uh, very, very little education. And, you know, just kind of in, in the midst of this notion that, you know, I just need the one break to, to, to make a go of it, right? Mm-hmm. And the land's out here to so there's this seeming opportunity. So any so these characters that that are working in this environment, it's it's interesting because the the difference between making it and not is very very thin. So mm-hmm. they they are living. I mean, they're at the end of the the so-called frontier, and they're also you know living on the edge of making it or completely failing which would mean poverty mm-hmm. so uh and then the, you know side characters like uh like um um david airly <laughs> who uh, was a little psychopath in the making uh yes. i think he did serve time later for armed robbery and such so. not surprised uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, like I said, out, out on the frontier, you get, you know, when it's the end of the road, you get the end of the road people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so interesting things happen. Absolutely. Uh, when you were writing it, was it hard to separate fact from fiction? Because a few times you mentioned in the book, uh, even the newspaper accounts can be very uh, extravagant in how they describe everything going on. So was it kind of hard to figure out like what actually happened versus what uh, people said happened? Um, I mean, that's, that's the, the, the root of what I'm trained to do uh, as, as a historian. So I, I have a, you know, um, the, the academic background and experience. So reading documents uh, critically uh, is, is 
you know, the, there's no single recipe for that uh, because the documents are produced in different ways. And, and so when you have the documents in front of you, you always have to ask who's written them, how they produced, what, why, and so forth. Um, and this book I also, you know, that, that's the first question about the, the, the material. The second part of the question is about my writing of it. And uh, th there's no doubt that I had a lot of fun in this book because I, I, I you know, we don't know, we do know a, a bit, you know, more about Albert Strobel than we would ever know if he hadn't commit, you know, been out for murder. We would never have known it. We don't know anything about the victim because um, he was dead and they didn't have to look into his life. Don't even know his name. Like David Marshall was just the one he took on. Um, but I wanted to, to, you know, string together the factual stuff, uh, which was quite a bit. And everything in the book that I say happened, happened. Everything. When when I when I say well he thought this, that's it's obviously a speculation because he wasn't mm -hmm. keeping a diary of what he thought. But uh, but of course all writing does that. Um, but this book I I took a more uh, dramatic, um, not not even liberties, but I wanted to make it a compelling story. It was a compelling story. But just, you know, the straight factual thing would be dry because so much is missing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would say when I would, some scenes I would say, well, this, this is the most likely thing that happened when so-and-so visited him in his, in his uh, hotel room, spoke to him. Um, <clears throat> the other things that, the major things that happened, I don't, I don't, I'm not speculating mm -hmm. you know, like what happened in, in what actually happened that night well nobody knows nobody knows why but mm -hmm. what i say is based on the facts right um, what strobel is thinking when he's taking his girl for a walk well you know <laughs> for sure so, you know i think the reader will say well yeah that's that you you can tell i mean mm -hmm. that's 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 a a reasonable speculation. That's a far out speculation. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't do too many of those, but every so often, um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun. But it, it is a it is a, a, a it's not it's somewhere between a historical dramatization and just straight history. Mm -hmm. You know. So. Um, now in the book where Albert at first doesn't confess. And then uh, after the trials, he does confess, but then there's even speculation that he's just trying to go for the self-defense. So you never really know if he did this or not. Uh, in your opinion, do you think he actually did commit the murder? Well, I do, I do have that section where, where I, mm -hmm. I say what I think happened because um, I, you know, I, obviously I like reading true crime. Um, not overly much, but still. And uh, I hate it when the author doesn't say what they think happened. Mm -hmm. I really do. It's like, okay, you can let the reader decide. And then in your final chapter, you can say, this is what I think happened. 
because they, you know, the author, I hope, has, has forms and opinions, because otherwise it's a cop out, you know. Mm -hmm. Put it out there, come on. <laughs> and uh, I do spend a bit of time uh, saying what happened. I don't want to go into too much because the, the drama <laughs> does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, there's no doubt he's alone in that house when that, and he takes a loaded pistol into that house. Mm-hmm. And the two of them are alone, and one of them has a loaded pistol, and the other dies of a gunshot wound. And so it's it's obvious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Or, you know, even the judge doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And the judge was highly prejudicial against Stroll. Even the judge says, I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There was a fight. What did it, who caused it? I don't know. And see there, and, and so, yeah, he shot him, mm -hmm. but why and yeah. how? And the tragedy of course is that he could have pretty much got away with it if he had wanted to, if he had oh, yeah. had enough, if he had thought enough about mm -hmm. it, right? Because yeah, he could have made up any story he wanted and said, oh, he was, you know, Bad mouth and my my girl, and then there's other other witnesses that said, yeah, that's what he did. And he was Portuguese. He was, you know, with Portuguese was one of the the bad thing, really bad things to be. If you're mm -hmm. going to be European, being Portuguese probably the worst. <laughs> and that's uh, so. Mm -hmm. um, one of the one of the most irritating things uh, reading that was was the judge and uh, just how he was like, he was asking questions. And so yeah. if that trial were held today, because the trial, the two trials uh, change in the criminal code happens in between, like there's yeah. so much that that happens. If it were held today, do you think it would have the same outcome? Um, it, it would be very, very different in the sense that, um, certain pieces of evidence like the gun would, you know, the way it was gotten would not have, it would not have been admitted, you know, it, uh, under false pretenses. Um, the, it's, it's difficult to say because, because they have forensics, you know, and they, they have a lot more international cooperation. So it would have taken nothing for, for the 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 you know integrated murder squad to call up you know their their colleagues in the states and swap back forensic evidence and, mm -hmm. and them to get warrants for searching for the the gun and so they today with the new methods they might have got the gun anyway if they had gotten the gun the, the, today if they had gotten the gun the way they got it back then it would have been tossed out as all um, and of course the, the thing with the judge is that um, if the judge was as prejudicial today as he was back then then it would have been tossed out on appeal yeah but Strobel was only the second defendant for a, a serious crime was only the second defendant in in British Columbia to testify in his own defense. Um, the, 
The first had happened the week before with the same prosecutor. So actually the prosecutor had experience questioning the defendant, but the judges, nobody knew what the rules were. Mm -hmm. Was the judge allowed to do what he did with the defendant? Mm -hmm. And he's not, you know, no. <laughs> he's not. but there were, it was a brand new rule and nobody knew what was allowed and what wasn't allowed. Mm -hmm. And there were no appeal courts. That's what people don't understand either. There were, well, there was the Supreme Court, but almost everything that made it to the Supreme Court um, pertained to commercial law. And so there was no, you know, if Strobel's lawyer wanted to appeal the verdict, there was no way to do it, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> so, uh, I think he would have been found guilty of manslaughter. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, what would have, what was the, like, when you look at the first trial and he's acquitted or I guess not guilty. And then the second trial he's found guilty. What's the biggest factor? I mean, there's tons, there's Lucas being, okay. you know, a bit more prepared for the second trial. There's the judge, there's uh, the old, the words of Strobel being essentially used against him in the second trial. But what's the biggest factor in that guilty verdict for Albert in the second trial? Do you feel? Um, the biggest factor, the judge said the biggest factor, like in his, when he, he wrote private correspondence to the justice minister, he said the biggest factor was the identification of the bullet to the gun. It was the first time a specific bullet was linked to a specific gun in the minds of the jury. That, you know, and so the ballistic experts were, the first guy who was used before, he was better prepared. And they used the second guy uh, who went too far. Essentially, he, he said, yes, I can make that link when he can. Yeah. Um, so there's that link. There's also the fact, I mean, the second trial is longer than the first. And the first has two defendants. So it shows you just how much longer, the, and how much more prepared the prosecutor and the problem with the first trial was that they insisted on a charging David Ayerly along with Strobel mm -hmm. because they thought that Ayerly's confession that they had done it together was a slam dunk. Because in that, in that era, um, when they, you know, they would talk about direct evidence and circumstantial evidence. Now, to us, what direct evidence means is, is physical scientific evidence. That's not what it meant back then. What it meant back then was, was witnesses. Who witnessed? And that was, that was their direct evidence. And so they had the most important thing, uh, a witness. And they just couldn't, this was mostly the, the policeman's fault, Moresby. They just couldn't see the, that this guy was just bonkers. I mean, he was, you know, and when he was on the stand, he was back and forth. And so because the prosecutor had linked the case against Strobel to the confession and to Ayrley, and because the confession went down in, in flames, it was too late to repair the damage. Mm -hmm. uh, um, the 
jury had said, well, you know, if the first guy's innocent, this next guy, I know there's separate evidence, but, you know, I'm not convinced. So, yeah, it was, I think it was six and six or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, um, and then the prosecutor got a break when they, when they had the the trial a week later, Mm -hmm. just moved it to Victoria. Um, with reading the book, what do you hope people get out of, uh, out of reading the book? Um, well, a good read. <laughs> I mean, you know, when I look, when I go for a read, uh, pick up a book, it's, it's to enjoy most. Mm-hmm. So I, I want them to enjoy themselves with it. Um, to be surprised at the end too. So <laughs> I try that as well. Uh, and then, you know, not be too laden with this other stuff to take the fun away, but just to appreciate what, what it was like back then, mm-hmm. you know, for someone like Albert Strobel with a, bro- a broken up family with no resources, not just money resources, but educational resources, no family network, no anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, intellectually, ch- obviously intellectually challenged, developmentally challenged, taken advantage of. Um, and, you know, but it was pretty harsh. You know, we want to think back in the pioneer days and all the opportunity, even the hardest working um, people that stay, played by all the rules, and, you know, stuck with their families. Uh, it was a hard go. You know, yeah. uh, so, um, and how recent that was. I mean, for me, it's, you know, for a historian, that's, you know, 120, uh, 130 years ago, 120, mm-hmm. 30 years ago, is not a long time ago. You know, that's, no. that's our, see, my grandpa was born in 95. So that's just after uh, mm-hmm. all this takes place. And, and just, to, and this really was the end. I mean, of the, the, fr- the last of the frontier. Well, not the last of the frontiers. Actually, in a lot of ways, la- frontier lasted in northern BC, for instance, northern parts of Canada until the 50s, mm-hmm. 1950s, really. You had some first contact with Native peoples in the 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, so just how young Canada is, how recent mm-hmm. all this stuff was, and just, just to, you know, that kind of... It, it, it's not a costume drama because I can't costume them up, but you know, I mean, the past is a foreign country. You know, they do things differently, and it, it just that kind of enjoyment and learning of uh, traveling to another time. Um, it's it's worth a good read for that. Absolutely. And then uh, the last question is, where can people find the book? Where can they get it, you know, find you uh, if they have questions or anything like that? Uh... Well, uh, Amazon sells it. Um, any, anything, if you want to forward any questions or whatever, you can go to uh, email to Caitlin Press. Uh, find their, you know, go online and find their, their website. Um, and I think it's C-A-I-T-L-I-N. Mm-hmm. My niece is L-Y-N. It's I-N. Yeah. No. I get him. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
is it the Y or the I at the end? <laughs> anyway, and so, you know, Caitlin Press and contact them if you have questions. You can order the book, I believe, directly from them. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same price as going on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amazon, both in, in Canada and the States, covers it. Uh, so um, notice, that, notice that I'm, 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 I'm stressing the ways in which you can buy the book. Now, you <laughs> also, <laughs> I'm sure public libraries have, mm-hmm. might have it as well. Okay. But it's certainly worth buying the book. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. And it's a well, great I, read, so. <laughs> check the public library, too. I think some of the Eastern ones, I picked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, in BC, quite a few of, of, of the public libraries have them as well. I hope you enjoyed that interview, and if you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website. We will find hundreds of articles on Canada's history, as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And don't forget, you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Randy McCallum, Diane Wade, Laurie-Ann Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Pamela Elder, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara-Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want... You can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.